Amen. Amen. A man loses voluntary control over most of his body. His legs, arms, back, and chest get tense. His facial muscles squeeze upward. His stomach muscles and diaphragm spasm. His heart races. His blood pressure spikes. Someone call 911. What's going on? He's laughing. Because a lot happens to you physically when you laugh. Laughter is so common to us that we forget how bizarre it is. If aliens came to visit and see us laugh, I mean, they would think we were having a fit and something's wrong. But it's just the opposite. Something's right. Today I'm going to do a theology of humor because we have godly reasons for joy and laughter. And by the way, I'm just going to say up front, joy and laughter are not identical. I know that. And yet life without either one is not what God intended. So I'm, I'm going to talk about both with the understanding that there are some differences. And I've thrown in a few jokes that were turned in by some of you. And to be honest, some of them were pretty bad. And I used to think my humor was bad, but now I feel better about mine. And I got too many turned in, so I'm not going to use them all. So please don't offend it if uh, I don't use yours. Here's one that was turned in. And this was turned in quite a while ago. This wasn't just recently. But there's the famous Olympic skier, Peekaboo Street. If you remember her, uh, she is now a nurse working in intensive care of a large metropolitan hospital, but she's not permitted to answer the phone because it caused too much confusion when she would answer the phone and say, peekaboo, I see you. <laughs> I like that one. And here's someone, someone gave me this about a preacher, and I don't think it was me. I think it did happen to Casey actually once. Uh, he was standing in front of the church on Sunday morning, and he says, good morning. You'll be happy to know that when I gave this sermon to my secretary to be typed, I asked her to eliminate all the boring parts. So, in conclusion, <laughs> I love, I love Casey. You're stuck here now. So, anyway, today you may see in your bulletin I have 13 points, and you may not think that's funny, but I don't want you to worry about it because I'm only spend five minutes on each one. So, here we go. <laughs> For some early Christians, the day after Easter was devoted to telling jokes or playing gags on each other. Even today, there's some churches that celebrate Holy Humor Sunday, which is a Sunday after Easter. The idea behind it is that they were imitating the cosmic joke that God pulled on Satan in the resurrection. Satan thought he'd won. He was smug in his victory, smiling to himself. Death did have the last word again. So he thought. And then God raised Jesus from the dead, and life and salvation became the final words, and a cosmic joke was played on the enemy, and we get the last laugh. Jesus said so in Luke 6. He said, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. For you Christians in Sri Lanka, you're weeping, and we weep with you, but blessed are you, the day is coming, you will laugh. Someone said, God weeps with us today so that we may someday laugh with him. The cross at one time was the symbol of everything wrong. Death and crime and sin and injustice and failure. Everything about the cross was negative. But the resurrection three days later made it into something right and something very good. Matthew 28, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Luke 24, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. In John 20, he showed them his hands and feet. And they said the disciples were overjoyed all because of the resurrection. So number one, most important today, the resurrection gives us the last laugh. And let me suggest that only Christians have a reason to laugh. Only Christians. Everyone laughs by God's grace, but logically speaking, only Christians have a reasonable reason for laughter because we need to have the story that ends right. 
C.S. Lewis, Lewis suffered from clinical depression in his early years. Before his conversion, in his diary and letters, he is irritable, pessimistic, gloomy, hopeless. He said his atheism was based on his very pessimistic view of existence. Now, this is C.S. Lewis. After his conversion, he said, joy became the central story of my life. His friends then described him as cheerful and outgoing. Lewis found happiness in his new life in Christ, and he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy. One of our young people gave me a joke. Our youth are good reason for joy, aren't they? They make the church happier, and we laugh sometimes with them. What do you call a nocturnal horse? A nightmare. Thank you. All right. Okay, besides the joy of the resurrection, we have humor in the Bible, Exodus 32. And I don't know if this is intended to be funny, but I've always found this to be just amazingly funny. Moses is on Mount Sinai, and the people are down below, and they start worshiping the golden calf. Moses comes down and asks Aaron, what is going on? And he said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin to build this golden idol? And here's Aaron's explanation, and it's unbelievable. Do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. Blame them, of course. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold, and I threw it in the fire, and whoo, well, look, out came, yeah, this calf. I mean, he looks like a buffoon. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so ridiculous, it's funny. In another account in the Bible, we have a donkey talking to Balaam. I think God's smiling when he sees some of these things and makes things happen. And what did Abraham do when he found out he and Sarah were going to have a baby? He's 90 years old. He laughed. This must be a joke. Sarah laughed too. She was 89. And what did they name the boy? Isaac. What does Isaac's name mean? Laughter. God said, your wife will bear you a son and you shall call his name Laughter. God played a joke on Abraham. Now, when I turn 90 and Ellen's 89, it's not going to be funny. <laughs> How about creation? Any humor in God's world? Yep, we have humor in creation. Ever seen a giraffe? You think about Or a porcupine? How about the platypus? I think we have a picture. Now, these next two, I don't even know what they are. These are not the animals I was looking for. So... Uh, <clears throat> Very funny. <laughs> this is not part of the plan. Okay, next one. There we go. I love the nose on this guy. So, I mean, why would God create something like that? I, I don't know. He's just having fun. The next one is called a blobfish. Does it remind you of anyone in the movies? Star Trek? Jabba the Hutt? Yep, yep. That is an actual creation by God, and uh, you're going to tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor? I like that nose, too. Anyway, Another proof that uh, God has a sense of humor is, I think, a laughing baby. Uh, how about nine-year-old giggly girls? I think God laughed when he made some of you, to be honest. You know. And why do we all have a sense of humor? Everybody does. Everybody laughs. You go to the New Testament, look at the church. You cannot deny there was this irrepressible theme of upbeat joy, which, by the way, if you were to invite someone to liven up your party who'd really be fun and interesting and lovable, funny. You know, who would you invite? Jim Carrey. Harry Carey. 
our worship minister and his wife. Yeah, we could invite them. Yeah, who would you invite? How about Jesus? Would you invite Jesus to be the life of the party? Well, Jesus didn't tell jokes. So we don't think of Jesus as fun. He was serious. Well, I disagree. Jesus used humor. Humor in Jesus' day was ag- exaggeration, and he did a lot of it. He talks about a plank in your brother's eye, you know, two by four in your eye, a camel through the eye of a needle. That's how humor worked back then. People wanted Jesus to come to the party all the time. In fact, one of the complaints about him, you're having too much fun for a religious man. You need to be more serious. And today, I think very few people would put Jesus on their guest list to liven up a party. Maybe we'd miss something about him. Jesus said, I have said these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our joy comes from him. Here's another joke. (laughs) What do you get if you cross an elephant with a kangaroo? Big holes all over Australia. (laughs) Now, if Jesus had a sense of humor, it makes sense that we have a God of humor. Uh, And let me suggest that the happiest person in the universe is God. Joy is basic to God's character. He delights in the universe. He celebrates his creation. He says it's good. He rejoices when one sheep returns. He throws a party when the prodigal son comes home. We were made to laugh because we were made in God's image. And our sense of humor comes from him. One ancient writer said, the evil one is pleased with sadness and melancholy because he himself is sad and melancholy and will be for all eternity. Therefore, he desires that everyone should be like him. Now, if you suffer from depression, you know that's not from God. It's hellish. This is not what God wants for any of us. I have family members that struggle with it. I do uh, sometimes, and it is not his will, but it's part of a fallen world. We know joys of God, and in the next world, there's not going to be any depression. There's not going to be melancholy or sadness. And that doesn't mean that we won't be down today, or you know, sometimes today. It does not mean if you suffer from depression, you lack faith or anything like that. I mean, some of the best Christians in history had to deal with it. We're in a fallen world, and we are a fallen people. But what I want for us today is to never forget, we get the last laugh. And if there is no resurrection, laughter is actually a cruel joke. We may laugh for a while, we may enjoy life for a while, but Satan gets the last laugh if there's no resurrection. It's a story with a bad ending. So only Christians have a reasonable reason to laugh. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking that denies reality, you know, don't worry, be happy, and that kind of mentality. We're talking about something much deeper today. And that's part of the difference between joy and happiness. Both are good, but there's a difference. Happiness comes from the root happening or happenstance, suggesting that happiness based on what happens to me. Happiness is circumstantial. If I get a new car, I'll be happy. If I get new clothes, if I win the game, I'll be happy. If I, you know, whatever, I'll be happy. If I get cancer, I will not be happy. Circumstances determine my happiness. There's nothing wrong with happiness. I, I, it is of God, but joy is deeper. That can defy the circumstances. Paul was in jail after being beaten, and what's he do? He sings. He's not in good circumstances. They're not good, but his joy was real. So I'm going to put it this way on your outline. Happiness is more of a feeling. Joy is more of a posture or an attitude. Jesus is alive. We will win no matter what. That's not going to change. So I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, but the power of eschatological thinking. We see all our circumstances in light of the big picture. 
the resurrection and the ultimate triumph of the risen Christ. We cannot lose. The story ends well. And because of that, we can laugh. I was reading one author that said, we humans rejoice, but we have a rejoicing problem. He said, it's not that we don't rejoice, but it's too often we rejoice at a superficial level. In fact, when Paul begins to unpack what's wrong with humanity in Romans 1, the problem isn't that humanity rejoices, but what humanity rejoices in. He says the people rejoice in creation rather than the creator. We don't go deep enough with our rejoicing. We rejoice at the superficial level. So happiness is good. It's of God. But like any gift, it can actually become a God. It can draw you closer to God or it can lead you away from God. So number seven, laughter and happiness can turn us away from God. Here's the downside. See, when when you're happy and things are going well and you're feeling good about life, you might be so happy that you have no sense of needing God or Jesus. You're so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you are an interruption. He's going to take away my happiness. If life is going good, you say, I don't need Jesus. I don't even want Jesus because I'm too busy having fun. But, and when you look at laughter in the Bible, it's not all positive. It's a mixed bag. There's good about it, but there's also some warnings. Jesus said, woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. You who laugh for the wrong reason, it can be misdirected. It can be a laughter that's only of this world and finding joy only in the things of this world. James writes, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom because you may not be laughing later. We live in this fun, crazed world, and we don't have a problem rejoicing. The problem is that we rejoice at the superficial level, and we don't get underneath of what we're rejoicing in to really give credit where credit is due. We rejoice in the creation, not the creator. We want God's gifts, but don't want God. Everyone laughs, but not everyone is godly laughter. And with that said, we need humor. Proverbs 17, says, a happy heart is like good medicine. At Vonderleaf, every week we do church there on Tuesdays at 4, every week we tell at least one joke. And they laugh better than you do out there, by the way, but anyway, <laughs> no, you're great. The best thing for them, in my mind, is to laugh. Best medicine for them. I was told by one of the staff there that church every Tuesday is the most popular event at Vonderleaf. Church? Yep. Because it's fun, we have music, and it gives hope. There is nothing frivolous about having fun. Without fun, marriages don't work. When jobs aren't enjoyable, they become intolerable and dehumanizing. When children aren't fun, it's awful. When church is not fun, it's hard to be spiritual. I think one of the most spiritual things some people could do is just lighten up. I read an article entitled, The Church That Plays Together Stays Together. And one of the factors they find in healthy churches is how much laughter there is. In Galatians 5, 22, we have a list of the nine fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is love. And the second one is joy. Now, I don't know if these are in order of importance, but I'm pretty sure love is first because it is most important. And right behind it is joy. In fact, I wonder, can you love without joy? Or can can you have joy without love? I think it's pretty tough. Those two go together. If you don't have joy in a relationship, I'm not sure you have a lot of love. Our motto around here is love God, love people, reach the world. We can't do it without joy. God wants us to experience it, 
not just so we can feel better, uh, it's so we can have the right perspective on God and life and others and, and the right perspective on the future. Laughter is necessary to the Christian. Number nine, humor and joy help us spiritually. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and when we lose joy, we lose strength. Joy and humor make us more loving. They make us more comment, uh, content and kinder. Joy brings enthusiasm for life. It makes us more like God. Uh, we know that it is healthy for us physically. Tests and studies show this over and over, that blood pressure uh, is better. Chemical levels are better. Healthy people laugh 100 to 400 times a day. One doctor called laughter internal jogging. And what's amazing, there's some stories of healing based on laughter therapy. One guy had a rare disease with intense, constant pain. He found that when he laughed nonstop for 10 minutes, laughed hard for 10 minutes, he'd had two hours freedom from pain. It's powerful, physically and emotionally. And of course, humor and joy help us relationally. The old saying, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. We know that even a smile is powerful. People who smile tend to work better, manage better, teach better, and sell more effectively and raise happier children just by smiling. By the way, you can't fake a smile. Did you know that? So when you're getting your picture taken, you tell your kids, I'll smile. They can't. And they always look goofy, don't they? You can't fake a smile. Can't, can't force it. A smile is deeper than what you do with your face. It has to come from something deeper. When you talk to someone on the phone, hardly anybody talks on the phone, I know, but when you do, you can tell if they're smiling just by their voice. You can't see them, but you can actually hear a smile. Here's another uh, story I got from a lady at Vonderly. And in my Sunday school class, people said, my stories from Vonderly are actually better than the stories they got of my own. Anyway, even, uh, here goes. Did you hear about the school teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on his snow boots? He asked her for help. Even with her pulling and him pushing, the little boots still didn't want to go on. By the time they got the second boot on, she had worked up a sweat. She almost cried then when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, they were. And it wasn't any easier pulling them off than it was putting them on. So she managed to keep her cool together as they worked to get the boots back on, this time on the right feet. He then announced, These aren't my boots. <laughs> she bit her tongue. And rather than get in his face and scream, why didn't you say so, like she wanted to, once again, she struggled to help him put on the ill-fitting boots or, or take them off of his little feet. And no sooner had they gotten the boots off when he said, these are my brother's boots and my mom made me wear them. <laughs> she didn't know she should laugh or cry, but she mustered up what grace and courage she had left to wrestle those boots on her, his feet again Helping him into his coat, she asked, now where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. <laughs> she will be eligible for parole in three years. <laughs> That's from Vonderly. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Joy and laughter is so important to the Christian life. It seems to me that the church should be a place that is full of some joy and laughter, a place where life's burden should be lighter where faces should be brighter, attitudes should be uplifted and positive of the church. That's why we sing, to express our joy. Acts 13.52 says the early church was filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Those two are connected all through Acts. 
Number 11, humor and joy enhance evangelism because people are drawn to joyful churches and drawn to joyful people. In Acts, it says the church found favor among the people. It's like a magnet, and it's contagious. Positive, upbeat people tend to make others more positive and upbeat. Joyful sermons are better sermons. That's why Casey and I try so hard to tell jokes, and it's not easy. Most people don't want to hang around a grouch, and most people don't want to be at grouchy churches. And too often churches get that reputation, and the one group that should be the most joyful is sometimes the least. Joy is a sign we are grateful. It is what you have uh, when you are thankful. The two go hand in hand. I think that's why Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday, because you can't have Thanksgiving without joy. We've all seen people who don't have as much as we do. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have great health. They don't, they don't have a lot of things at all, and they'll still talk about how grateful they are. They're grateful for what they do have and not what they don't have. People with cerebral palsy, people who can't use their legs, people so crippled they can't bathe themselves or can't feed themselves, can't brush their teeth, can't comb their hair, or put on their underwear, can't drive a car, can't ride a bike, can't go for a walk, all the things we take for granted and sometimes happier than we are. People in the nursing homes, people in third world countries, our mission teams go overseas and they see children who have nothing but they have laughter. They're just grateful for the smallest gestures. Here's another story. Where's the BC? A rather old-fashioned lady was planning a couple of weeks vacation in Florida, and she also was quite delicate and elegant in her language. She wrote a letter to a particular campground and asked for reservations, and she wanted to make sure the campground was fully equipped, but didn't know quite how to ask about the toilet facilities. She just couldn't bring herself to write the word toilet in her letter. After much deliberation, she finally came up with the old-fashioned term, bathroom commode. But when she wrote that down, she still thought that was being too forward. So she started all over again and rewrote the entire letter, letter and referred to the bathroom commode simply as the BC. Does the campground have its own BC, is what she wrote. Well, the campground owner wasn't old-fashioned at all, and when he got the letter, he could not figure out what this lady was talking about. That BC really stumped him. And after worrying about it for several days, he showed the letter to other campers, but they couldn't figure it out, what this lady meant. And the campground owner finally came to the conclusion that the lady was and must be asking about the location of the local Baptist church. So he sat down and wrote the following reply. Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take the pleasure of informing you that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite, and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away if you are in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago, <clears throat> and it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that right now there is supper planned to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC so everyone can watch and talk about this great event. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it is surely not for lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you your first time and go sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. This is really a very friendly community. That's enough of that. 
Number 13. Joy is a gift, but it's also a choice. It is a gift because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the resurrection, the hope we have. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but it is a choice we can make. It is commanded, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Romans 12, be joyful in hope. And continual joylessness is deadly. How many people have soured in their Christian walk? How many... How much damage have joyless Christians done to the cause of Christ? How many kids have been turned away because mom and dad griped about the church? Now, some people are not naturally joyful. I, I get that. They have melancholic, you know, choleric personalities, so it's harder than others. And I, I'm one of those. Others are just naturally upbeat all the time, and they'd be happy and singing if a truck fell on them. But for some of us, we have to work at dwelling on the lighter side of life. And I like where one preacher said, he said, I'd rather have my kids remember me as the dad who tossed their mother fully cold into the swimming pool, which I've not done, by the way, anyway, than to be the preacher who frowned too much, yelled too much, and talked too long, and died too young. Rejoice in the Lord always. We get the last laugh. So I want us to express that joy. I want us to sing an old chorus. Many of you will be familiar with it. If you're not, you'll learn to catch on. I've got the joy, 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 isn't it? Down in my heart. And I want everyone to do this, okay? And if you're not into it, I want you to at least pretend you're joyful because if you're not, I'm bringing you up here. Probably not, probably not. Okay, let's stand, and we're going to sing this. Garrett's going to be my guitar man. There you are. Okay. All right. Mm. What's the story go? Mm. Joy, 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 joy. Stop. Way too slow, okay? Cause I've got the joy, 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 joy. We're gonna okay, here we go. He's learning. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Of the love of Jesus, love of Jesus, down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I have the love of Jesus, love of Jesus, down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my... Okay, here's the tough one. I have the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Way down in the depths of my heart. Way down in the depths of my heart. I have the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Way down in the depths of my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart, and I'm so happy, 
I am so happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. I want to do one more verse. Devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. Sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Very good. All right, I don't know what he's doing next, but I want you to turn and smile to two or three people right now.